So welcome to the ESPN Player College Football Show, brought to you by Gridiron Magazine. Matthew Sherry is with me, as always, the editor. I am Simon Clancy. It is the end of the beginning, or the beginning of the end. Which way do you want to do it, Matt? Where are we? Beginning of the end, uh, end of the beginning? It's bowl season, essentially. Let's go beginning of the end. Beginning of the end, okay. Let's go Championship, beginning of the end. Championship weekend has happened. Bowl season is approaching fast. But before we get to the ramifications of the playoff, some of the bowl games that we're interested in, there has been a, a number of coaching moves, some small, some massive. And the, the biggest of them all is Urban Meyer stepping down from Ohio State. Uh, Ryan Day will take over his position. This, Matt, not a surprise, I don't think, to you or to me, really. No, I mean, it, you did feel like it was coming. And um, when his wife was breaking down on the sidelines after the Michigan game. I think that was all the indication that we needed. Um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens next with, with Urban because, you know, you you were of the opinion that he, he ultimately comes back. I'm I'm not quite so sure, having read a few of the interviews, in that it it sounds like from what close friends of his are saying that this that this cyst on the brain is, is having a serious impact on his life and, you know, the, the headaches sound horrific. So... I just wonder whether he can ever actually come back, and whether it's it doesn't sound like it's something where you know there's a there's an easy treatment available. He's already had an operation; he can have another operation, but that's opening the brain up again, which I don't think is is optimal, and, and anybody would suggest so. So, frankly, I really hope it is the end because you know you, I, I'm no big Urban Meyer fan, but it was really difficult to watch him on the sidelines in these games, and, and frankly, me and you had, had said so. You. You wouldn't have been that surprised if the guy keeled over the way things were going, and 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 nobody, I mean, nobody wants to see see a man go through that. Whatever you think of Urban Meyer, he's clearly ultra passionate about his craft, and maybe a little bit too passionate and too stressed at times. And it's clear that you know his body just won't allow him to do the do the job that he wants to do. And there was there's been some fascinating stuff that's come out of it. He did a great interview with Yahoo in which you know they they said to him Urban. Could you could you go to the NFL? And he just said, I mean, some NFL coaches see eighty and fifty as a record, and and, and my my whole way of being wouldn't allow me to be, to find that acceptable. And and he's always been at a powerhouse in in its own in its own way. I think I think it was Bowling Green where he started. We're a we're a really good Mac school at the time. The best Utah when he went there had had great resources available to them and then Florida obviously in Ohio State so you know he he knows it within himself that he can't he can't do this job unless it's a serial winner and the only way to coach a serial winner is is in college football I mean it's very very difficult to do in the NFL even the the gold standard teams of the NFL like the Patriots will lose three four games a season and from what Urban's saying he can't he can't live like that which is you know it's a fascinating insight into into what some of these coaches give for the game I think but yeah I, I hope it is the end for him he is a very flawed man though isn't he I think it's fair to say certainly in, in terms of coaching a great coach obviously but what, what do you think his legacy is because like you said he revitalised Bowling Green uh, great stuff that he did at Utah but really at Florida you know he left a kind of a messy trail of sort of 30 plus player arrests and this kind of culture I suppose that put good players ahead of good character but the fact that he sort of ran this renegade program down in Gainesville was sort of easily waved away with the with the on-field results, wasn't it? Two national championships, two SEC championships, three division titles. 
you know, he was a winner and that's all that mattered. But really, in the grand scheme of things, when you look at legacy, is that all that matters? Because the legacy, when you just scratch a little bit beneath the surface, and in fact, not too far from the surface at all, it's ugly, isn't it? It really is. And and, and in that interview I, I referenced, he, he really talked a lot about the importance of his legacy to him. And I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that this has all happened this season after what happened. Because, you know, had you asked me this question last year, I would say, well... You know, he's a man who the ultra competitive winner in him meant made him do some things in Florida that that he regretted and that he'd atoned for and he'd built this program at Ohio State which was certainly seemed a much cleaner operation than than what he'd had in Florida. It seemed like he'd turned over a new leaf. But actually then, you know, with the with the Zach Smith case, we we saw a, an instance of him doing similar things. I mean, nowhere near the scale of what happened in Florida, but certainly turning a blind eye to things he shouldn't have been. Um, I think it's a little bit different with the, with this case because, again, I don't think that for one minute that a wide receiver coach was, was that integral to the programme. So I think, if anything, in this instance, he was maybe hindered by his own loyalty. But what, it, what all these cases do do is they... They bring into question his judgment on on multiple issues, and 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 I I would struggle to think that anybody would ever mention the career of Urban Meyer without mentioning the caveat. So that's his legacy. He's remembered as one of the great coaches in college football history. But you know, people will always talk about the caveats, and and that's that's something that he's going to have to live with, and 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 frankly, unavoidable unless you know he comes back and. And, and somehow change that. But I'm not sure you can change that. We're talking a pattern of behaviour over a decade plus. So I, I, th- I feel like his legacy set in terms of his, his, his place in the pantheon just as a coach. But obviously it, it's a little bit murkier than that as a man. One of the things that people talked about would be potentially him going to USC. Um, do you think that would be a good fit if he did end up, if he did take a couple of years away? sorts himself out in terms of the, the, the issue with the cyst, has a successful operation. Do you think that, that, that Southern California would be a place, a match made in heaven or perhaps a, a, a match made in hell for him? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say heaven because I, I just, I, I think it would work. I mean, he would revitalise the programme. He he would do everything that he's, he's done at Ohio State. And in, in, in some ways it would be hell because, you know, USC... Are, are in an area where you're you're trying to recruit kids from from some of the worst kind of streets in America, so you you can you could potentially get caught up in some of the same things you did in Florida. But as I don't, I think if he comes back, he's not going to be stupid enough to to do anything of, of any controversy. Because the only reason he would be coming back is to try and to enhance that legacy. But also, I mean, to be fair, by the sounds of it, he doesn't have a clue what he's going to do next and how he can fill that gap. But I do think it's a little different. I mean, he went and worked in TV for a year last time simply to go inside other programmes and see how they did things. That's certainly the, 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 the urban legends who are, to use a terrible pun, that, that, was that follows them. So, yeah, well, I mean, I, I announced it as awful as I said it. But, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I feel like when he left Florida, he knew he was going to come back. I'm not 100% sure that's the case this time. Um, where, how do you think you? Uh, how do you think Ohio State moves forwards? And Ryan Day, an excellent choice. I mean, it, it, it's a it, it's a progression for Day that you know because obviously he was talked about with the number of jobs that are available this uh, 
this winter really with with coaching changes but he's obviously not going to leave did a great job when Urban was out for those early games in the season he is um, a go-getting head coach who who should bring national championships to, to Columbus isn't he well, it's just, I mean, it's national championships as a measure are, are increasingly difficult with Alabama doing what they're doing, but he should certainly keep them where they've been under Urban, which is losing at most two two games a season. There's still a a hugely talented roster there, um, and I think we saw that in the Michigan game. I mean, I, I look at that game now and wonder whether Urban's told the players what's coming and, and that he's managed to see about one last performance from this extremely talented squad, but... I actually think what had happened during the last season was that under Ryan Day that the team played a lot better and they played a lot more for that coaching staff. So, yeah, I, do, I don't think there'll be an issue. I'm interested to see what happens with the staff. I mean, does Greg Schiano stay on as defensive coordinator or does he maybe get a look as a head coach again somewhere, which, I mean, I certainly think he should after the, the fiasco with Tennessee last year. And there's other guys on that staff who have head coaching experience as well, which will help Ryan Day because... As good as Day is, and 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 Urban himself has said that he thinks he's but he's better than any OC he's had. Now he's had Dan Mullen and and guys like that, so he's he's got a track record of Tom Herman of guys running big power programs now. So he clearly rates Ryan Day, but there will be a point at the start of next season where he realizes that the vast difference, even though he had that three weeks on the job between filling in like that on game day and, and doing the job properly. So I think it'll be an adjustment for him and, and you would think that for the rest of the Big Ten they will they will sense an opportunity in this first couple of years. And the big question for me with, with Day is what happens with Dwayne Haskins. Is he going to declare for the draft or is he going to stay another year? Because I think, I think if Haskins stays, then they're right there next year in the mix. But if Haskins goes, that, gives, that means the programme looks very different at the start of next season than it does right now. Certainly rumours are that Haskins is going to declare for the draft, but that remains to be seen. Speaking of, of players, let's have a look at um, the College Football Awards. The season is underway already um, in terms of the handing out of awards. Brian Kelly won Coach of the Year, Home Depot Coach of the Year, 12-0 Notre Dame. Not a massive surprise. Uh, TJ Hawkinson won the John Mackey Award for the tight end, uh, the Iowa tight end. Interestingly, Noah Fant was the, the tight end at Iowa that everybody talked about, and Hawkinson has come in and just had an, an outstanding season. Uh, Josh Allen uh, of Kentucky, just announced one of my favourite players in college football, won Defensive Player of the Year, the Bronco Nagurski Award. Um, Christian Wilkins won the Campbell, which is for the top scholar athlete, uh, and uh, and Rondell Moore, the freshman of Purdue, uh, Purdue, won the Paul Hornig Award for the most versatile player of the of the season. Anything that stands out for you, Matt? And any locks that you you look at when you look at things like the Dope Walker and the Belitnikov and 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 those sorts of things, the Outland Trophy. Um, I mean, the the one that stood out to me all season is Rondell Moore because of. Of what an incredible start to his career it's been. I mean, you know, it's very rare that you see a guy come in. Particularly, I mean, it's not like Purdue. I know they had that big win at Ohio State in prime time, which which really got him noticed. But it's not like they're a, they're a program that's on everybody's mind. And uh, um, of all the players in college football that are the non the non quarterbacks, Rondale Moore is maybe the guy I'm most excited to watch over the coming seasons because I just think he's he's absolutely awesome, and it's great to see that that recognised by by committee and, and and then win that award. I also am a fan of, of the Josh Allen one because, again, it's Kentucky and I know Kentucky had a great season by their standards and caught a little bit of attention early, but it just felt like that, that award would eventually move to, to a bigger programme guy. But actually, I think he is just 
an absolute stud who who's going to be awesome both at this level and in the NFL. Devin White of LSU won the Buckus Award last night, and the the finalists for the Blitnikoff, um, Jerry Judy of Alabama, um, Andy Isadora of uh, UMass, uh, Andy Isabella, sorry of UMass, and uh, Isadora. Where did that come from? And Tylen War, uh, Tylen Wallace of um, of Oklahoma State. Right, let's get to the playoff. You are listening to the ESPN Player College Football Podcast, brought to you by Gridiron with me, Simon Clancy and Matthew Sherry. Uh, in the end, Matt. It was kind of as we expected. Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame 3, and then Oklahoma 4. No luck for UCF, uh, no luck for Ohio State, and no luck for Georgia, who probably were one of the four best teams, but really difficult to put in a two-loss non-conference champion into that four, uh, despite the fact that they almost beat Alabama and fairly comfortably were one of the best four teams in, in college football. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean... I find it interesting that you know there was a bit of turnover on that committee uh, from last year to this year, and, and I feel like they've changed tact a little bit because I, I think Georgia would have got in in previous years. What we'd seen in previous years was they kind of threw out the the whole conference winner and all that. All that we saw that in the, in the Alabama decision last year. We saw that when you know games against each other when Penn State were left out, having beaten Ohio State and. They, they seem to have moved away from that and become a little bit more formulaic to me because the whole thing with the committee in those early years where they were essentially just getting together and deciding who they thought the best four teams were and and obviously they couldn't have picked a three or four lost team but and they've never picked a two lost team but I actually thought this was a year that they were going to do it. Um, it's an interesting debate. I ultimately can understand why why they haven't put Georgia in because, you know... Georgia had the chance in X number of games on the field to, to work their way in. By losing two of those, they put themselves out of the mix and that's completely understandable. But it, it goes back to what is the committee meant to be? Is it meant to pick the four, what they think are the four best teams or are they, or are they meant to pick the four best teams they can pick based on a formula? I don't know what you think it should be, Si, but it's a, it's a really difficult balancing act for them, I think. I, I think it's, I agree, it's a very difficult balancing act. Although I think they've made a rod for their own back in a way. Um, I, I, I think, it, you know, Georgia are, as I've said twice now, are understandably one of the four best teams in college football, but I just think you can't put, the, otherwise what's the point in the regular season? You may as well just jump to the end yeah. of the regular season and say, we're going to put the two best SEC teams in and wither everybody else. You know, what, what I find uncomfortable about the whole process is that in the penultimate week after beating Michigan, Ohio State jumped from 10 to 6, um, and people were talking about even putting Ohio State into the top four when they lost by 29 points to, to 6 and 6 Purdue, um, beat Nebraska at home by a, a touchdown in a tight game, and almost lost to Maryland. I mean, they should never have been in the conversation. And I, and I think what's happened to UFC, uh, UCF, sorry, UFC, what? Uh, UCF has been, huh. you know, the fact that they're not in the playoff, I, I get that. The fact they're not even in the conversation for the playoff, I find very uncomfortable. And, you know, last year, everybody, there was a lot of hoo-ha, and then they went and stomped all over Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Uh, this year, they're going to play LSU. Now, now chances are they're not going to beat LSU, in large part because Mackenzie Milton is injured. But if they beat LSU... There's going to be a lot of very, very, very 
Uh, there's going to be a lot of egg on a lot of faces because I think it's very unfortunate that a team now that's unbeaten for two seasons does not get the chance to test itself at the very highest level. And I think it, it, it goes back to something we've talked about before in that there's only a handful of teams that can win the national championship. And I think that's very unfair. And I think it's very unfortunate um, that, you know, unless you come from a Power 5 conference, then, then really you stand no chance. Um, do I think the best four teams are in? No. Do I think it will be four, two interesting games? Absolutely. Number one, Alabama against uh, Oklahoma, which could end up sort of 70-55, which we'll discuss in a sec. And then Clemson against Notre Dame. Most analysts would say that Notre Dame would be the team that would probably fall out if you wanted to get rid of one of those teams. But it, I think it'll be they'll they'll provide a test for. Um, They'll provide a test for for, Notre, for, for Clemson, that the like of which Trevor Lawrence won't have seen this season in terms of defensive backs on that back end who can really, uh, you know, Julian Love and those guys. It won't be easy for, for Clemson. So I think it'll be it'll be two very interesting games. Let, let's go to Oklahoma, Alabama. How do you see this one playing out, Matt? I mean, I'm not 100% sure at this, at this point. It's a difficult one. I think it'll be... I, I'm, I'm just so fascinated to see the matchup based on... I mean... We need to talk about Tua and how bad he was in that game and whether he's healthy and all that because he was awful, wasn't he? I mean, he's not going to win the Heisman Trophy when I don't think I've ever been more confident of a player winning the Heisman than I was Tua before he entered that game. It's just, it's an astonishing turnaround. I mean, I said it a few weeks ago, I thought Kyler Murray was catching him, but I didn't think he would catch him. And, and that's what makes the game fascinating is... I mean, they've got to just, uh, frankly, they've got a little bit of a decision to make on it. Because if Tua doesn't look right in practice with the way Jalen Hurts played in that Georgia game, and it was so fascinating watching Hurts in that Georgia game because he always struck me as a guy who was forever trying not to make the big mistake. And in that game, I actually thought he just came out and said, you know what, we're behind, I've got nothing to lose here. And he was great. He was absolutely awesome. I mean, one of the great performances I've ever seen from a player coming off the bench. One of the great so, stories. So I find it interesting to so know, I assume Tua will play, and I hope he does, because I think Tua, Tua, Kyler Murray, the two guys who are going to be one and two for the Heisman, playing against each other in the playoff, is, is a situation that is incredible, that frankly you don't always get in, in both college football and the NFL. I mean, we were we were at the, the brady Rogers game a few weeks ago talking about how it was only the second time they'd met, so you want to see those kind of matchups. But, I mean, he needs to play a lot better, otherwise... Alabama are going to have a hard time keeping up with Oklahoma. I mean, I don't think Oklahoma will put up 50 points in the way they do most weeks. I think this will be a, a game in the 30s. And the question is whether Oklahoma's defence, which did step up in the big moment against Texas, can do the same against Bama, regardless of who they've got a quarterback. Yeah, it's going to be, um, it'll be fascinating. I, I mean, I wrote the, the previews yesterday for the magazine. I, I, I cannot see Oklahoma stopping Alabama. I can't see Alabama playing a second game the way that they did against Georgia in terms of struggling uh, offensively drop catches you know Henry Ruggs drop catches Irv Smith drop catches Jerry Judy drop catches two are playing so badly um, you know and, uh, and clearly the knee injury was affecting him um, but I don't think it can, can be an excuse I think Kyler Murray is going to have to play the game of his life but really defensively you know the, the Sooners can't stop the run but they really can't stop the pass um, those small corners up against the big receivers, um, you know, Waddle and Judy and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith and, and, and Irv Smith across the middle. I just think Alabama will be able to march up and down the field scoring at will. Uh, you know, and once you can throw the ball, that's going to open up the, the underneath for, for Damian Harris and, 
and, and Josh Jacobs and, and Najee Harris. So I, 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 I just can only see one winner. I think the big worry for me is, you know, the only time Bama have lost in the semi-final of a playoff is is against Urban Meyer. And, and Urban Meyer is important in that because he is one of the few coaches who, if you give him two, three weeks to prepare, I would back to to, to outdo Nick Saban. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Bama have generally been really dominant in these semi-finals, including against Clemson last year. I mean, they, they, they really... They really blew them off the field. Now they are beatable more in the national championship game because then it's a it's a six day turnaround and everything else. And and I, I just feel like Nick Saban will have a plan for Kyler Murray in the way that maybe he hasn't had a plan for a Deshaun Watson with only a week to to go and things like that. So I, I would say this game is Bama's to lose with the one X factor being. If Tua isn't healthy and they play him early, they need to get him out of the game earlier than they did against Georgia. Because, I mean, we, I think we'd said to each other on WhatsApp on Saturday that as good as Tua's been, that they had to get him out of that game. You could see that it, it wasn't improving. And, 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 and I think it's an easy decision to make now because what Jalen Hurts showed against Georgia is something that Jalen Hurts didn't show in two years as a starter. I mean, he was incredible. So I think that's an easier hook for, for Saban and, and I think that, that gives them a big edge in the game. What do you think about Notre Dame uh, Clemson? Because obviously, you know, I, for me, the one Achilles heel for Clemson is the inexperience on offence. You look at those receivers, that receiving core of uh, obviously Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball and then you've got, you know, Travis Etienne and Adam Choice and Tavian Feaster and Lin J. Dixon at a running back. But those receivers, T. Higgins and Amari Rogers and Justin Ross, all freshmen and sophomores, Hunter Renfro, obviously the veteran senior in the slot who, who Lawrence, I'm sure, will rely on if he's healthy. But I just wonder whether experience might be the one thing that catches up with them. You know, that's the, those core offensive playmakers, Etienne as well as a Etienne as well as a is a sophomore. It, it just feels like it could be a season too soon for them, and you know Notre Dame, like we said, maybe the, the the most fortunate to be in. But actually, Ian Book, pro style quarterback, is the best. No one's talking exactly. about Ian Book, and it's it's harsh. I mean, the, the guy has come in and done more than what you could mm. ever have expected from him. He's been awesome. I mean, I suppose his, you look at his numbers, the completion percentage dropped significantly since he's come back from the rib injury, so he's going to have to, but I, I suspect that's a lingering issue with the rib. Dexter Williams obviously playing really well, Miles Boykin at receiver, but also defensively, they've got good players, you know, Jerry Tillery and Julian Acquire up front, uh, Tavion Coney uh, at linebacker, and that, you know, those, those defensive backs, like I said, Love and Elohi Gilman and, and Jalen Elliott, Trevor Lawrence won't have seen, won't have ever played against defensively, even in practice, you know, with Trayvon Mullen at corner, but he won't have seen three or four players of the skill level that Notre Dame have. So it will be I think it will be fascinating. I don't think I don't think the Irish will win, but I think it'll be significantly closer than people suspect it will be, because I I, I do think their defence will keep will keep Notre Dame in it. Yeah, I mean I I think the thing with Clemson is why they're so interesting to me is they're improving and you can see it's very rare in a team you can physically see week to week the, the improvement of young guys and, and it feels like it's coming together. But what Notre Dame have gone for them? I, I'm really glad at this now that Notre Dame are in the playoff. I know that I know that the USC game didn't look good at the end of the year, but actually what they have gone for them is they're a really well-rounded team and, and maybe they're, pro, they're potentially more well-rounded than any other team in the playoff. Maybe with the exception of the team they're playing this, in this game, which is why I think it should be so close because... Both of these teams can be really great on defence. And and Ian Book, I, I just think 
he he just they were unbeaten when he got there. They'd already had the big win over Michigan when he started, but he revitalised that offense. I mean, it was really stagnant. They've got some some big guys at receiver as well, big playmakers at receiver who can go up and make big plays. So, I I think this has the potential to be the best game of the whole playoff, and and. And I think Clemson will probably sneak it, and I think that because ultimately they've got the superior athletes in, in the fourth quarter, but I think it'll go all the way down to the fourth quarter. And, you know, you look at Clemson's schedule, they had one really, really great win, I thought, which was on the road at Texas A&M, who were a good team this year. And But it, it, it wasn't like, it's not like Alabama coming back and beating Georgia kind of win, you know, that... I wouldn't even necessarily say that it's like Notre Dame beating Michigan. I, I think Clemson's CV, as much as they're unbeaten, is is every bit as bad, if not worse, than Notre Dame. So I, I think Notre Dame are the best team that Clemson have faced this season, yeah. and that's a starting point for this game. I, think I don't can, think they've played any team anywhere near as good. No, I think for both teams, though, you can, you can. I think it's unfair to say who have you who have you played, who have you beaten. You know, like you say. Tight wins for Clemson against Texas A&M and Syracuse when Trevor Lawrence got knocked out of the game, which to me would be something of a concern. Obviously, it's not their fault that Florida State were awful this year uh, and they dispatched Pittsburgh in a fairly one-sided ACC championship game. I know there was a lot of fuss made about giving up 35 points and 510 yards passing to South Carolina, which Davos, when he sort of got quite annoyed about, and I think rightfully so. But then the, the same with Notre Dame, I think. You know, they're... They've been asked the question repeatedly, who have you played? And the opening game winning against Michigan carried significant weight as the season progressed. But beyond that, they, they struggled past Pittsburgh. They struggled past Vandy, Ball State. USC in the final game was a struggle. The win against Stanford didn't really stack up as the season progressed. The, the beatdown of, the beat of there's Syracuse... There's something to be said for, for coming through those games. Though, isn't no, it? definitely. Like a, a team who could win games when maybe they're not at their best and, and and especially with the season the college season is a war of attrition a lot of the time so I feel like there is something to be said for coming through any any tight game definitely definitely the Heisman uh, situation by the way if you haven't heard Tua Tungavailoa Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray are your final three uh, for the Heisman Trophy we will see two out of the three in the playoff this is the uh, college football show brought to you by ESPN Player and Gridiron Magazine before we get out of here Matt just give us a couple of uh, a few bowl games that you're excited about I'll throw a few into the mix um, New Mexico Bowl one that people probably wouldn't think of North Texas against Utah State essentially a battle between two very hot coaches uh, in Seth Luttrell and Matt Wells Matt Wells obviously off to Texas Tech um, but also two very interesting quarterbacks in Mason Fine and Jordan Love, who could end up being QB1 for me if he came out. I don't think he will. He's only a redshirt sophomore, but a very, very, very interesting college quarterback. Rifle arm, uh, accurate, can move, manipulate the pocket. Not particularly well-known because obviously he plays on the West Coast, but that would be one game certainly that I'd be very interested in seeing. Kentucky-Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. kentucky Sort of fairy tale season for half the season, weren't they? I think, and and Penn State obviously still really good. Miles Sanders final game for Trace McSorley, um, final game probably for Benny Snell, who needs I think 107 yards to break the school's all-time rushing record for Kentucky. That should be a fascinating game. Um, LSU UCF, which we talked about, obviously no no Mackenzie Milton, which I suppose swings it in favour of LSU. And then I think one of my favourite games is going to be Iowa State, uh, Iowa State, Washington yeah. State. It's going to be that's that's right up there for me. Which again, two great coaches, Mike Leach and Matt Campbell. Um, 
you know, Iowa State with Hakeem Butler and, and David Montgomery, who probably will go to the NFL against Gardner Minshew and, and whatever Mike Leach can bring to the party. That should be a fascinating high-scoring game. Any, anything that stands out for you that you maybe off the, a couple of off-the-radar games? Yeah, I mean, I like a few, and, and I like a few early earlier than usual. I think the Las Vegas Bowl between Fresno State and Arizona State's fascinating, just to see if, you know, that, that Arizona State season has been has been really interesting with Herm Edwards, and I would like to see that they're playing against an 11-2 and team. I think that Arizona State have been in virtually every game this season. They've been really competitive. So I would like to see Herm get... I would like to see him sign off in, in a bit of style there. I think Miami West Wisconsin's a decent game. Both teams were disappointing on the year, seven and five, but you know, two blue blood programmes who you who you wanna see. Purdue Auburn's really interesting. Jeff Brohm's decided to stay on. Auburn seven and five, another team who were really disappointing based on pre season expectations when they were ranked in the top ten. But you know they, they they were they were decent at the end of the season. But I'm interested to just see what Rondale Moore one more time against a really great set of athletes on the on the defensive side and and to see Brom Florida Michigan for me is going to be a fascinating one. It's I mean I think Devin Bush is going to play. I think Chase Winovich are going to play. That's that's important. Rashawn Gary's decided not to play, which I think is absolutely fair enough since since declaring for the draft and uh, it also he's declared for the draft which gives us an, an awesome sit down with him and Gary with Gary and Chase Winovich for our draft issue side because we, we, we spoke to them for, for kind of 30 minutes each while we were while we were in Ann Arbor Iowa State Washington State's probably my favourite of the of the non-CFP balls and then and then you get down to I think the, the, the other the other really good ones are Washington Ohio State it's Urban's last game I'm really interested to see what what it looks like against the Washington team, who, for all they had three losses, actually were really good towards the end of the season. And, and Chris Peterson did another typical Chris, Chris Peterson job in that we always say, say, he wins loads of games, but doesn't necessarily win the really big game outside of beating Washington State. And then Texas George is a great one. I mean, this is this is Texas back in the back in the mix for one of these New Year's six balls in. And 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 it's nice to see because Texas, as much as I don't love Tom Herman, are a, are a program who you want to see in these games. I think George will win this one handily, but I'm interested to see whether whether Texas can put up a big fight against them. So I think I think this is one of the better years I've seen of ball matchups. I I, I wish that Mackenzie Milton was healthy because I I just think that LSU UCF game would have been so fascinating. Yeah. It was it's such a disappointment. Army Navy game this weekend. Uh, yep. And then bowl season kicks off uh, with the Auto Nation Cure Bowl with Tulane against Louisiana, then North Texas, Utah State, Fresno State, Arizona State, Georgia Southern, Eastern Michigan, Middle Tennessee State against Appalachian State. Uh, all of those games you can see on ESPN Player, your home for college football. You can review a myriad of games from this season if you missed any of them. There's documentaries on there, the SEC Network, the Longhorn Network, um, 30 for 30s, of which there are at least 60 on there uh, it is a wonderful uh, opportunity for you to review some of the players heading into the draft and to catch up on some great documentaries any more for any more Matthew before we get out of here no I'm, uh, I'm just looking forward to this ball season I can't believe the season's over already but um, this is where the, the one thing I would say on ESPN player ball season is when it really comes into its own because it has virtually all of the ball games it has all of the playoff games so yeah this is the time to if you've not subscribed yet this is the time to do it because if you want to sit and watch these games it's it's really the best way to do it especially when a lot of them are on 
crazy o'clock in the morning so you can get up and watch them Absolutely. the next day. Good stuff. We are out of here. Don't forget Clancy on campus. Do not forget that. Uh, that will be available throughout the bowl series, and we shall speak to you soon. Goodbye. There you go, mate. When do you want to do the next one? Don't mind. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for-to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, 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 horse. Full time supply, 18 plus only, begambleaware.org.